what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is the Pop Culture Podcast. I'm not sure what episode it is. I reckon episode 25 maybe. Sorry, it's coming at you a day late today as well. I uh, I was going to do it yesterday. I was going to do it yesterday and we had some friends scheduled to come around at 1 o'clock. I thought, oh, beautiful. Uh, 3 o'clock I'll do it. And then 6 o'clock came around and, and we were still eating, drinking. And I thought, oh my gosh, all right, it's not happening. And so I had to delay it. So I'm sorry, I know a lot of you were were desperate for this episode to come out because you can't wait for the latest the latest release of the Pop Culture Podcast is the word on the street. I'm not telling you if that's true or not, but I feel like just creating the illusion in your mind that people are desperate for the latest episode to come out. It can only look good for me. I'm still learning about the lighting kind of thing. I noticed that the, the right-hand side of my face is very dark. The left-hand side, because I've got the mirror, uh, the window over there. So I've got the window over there, and I've got nothing over here, and so I look like Phantom of the Opera a little bit. There's a, uh, it looks maybe a little bit mysterious. I'm not quite this beach picture. It sort of lightens it up a little bit. But anyway, I uh, hope you guys have had a good week so far. Tuesday, I'm, uh, what am I doing? I'm filming this podcast. I'm recording this podcast, and then I'm on my way down to Melbourne because uh, com- comedy's back up and running. No one's worried about, well, everyone's worried about the, this, this COVID thing, aren't they? But not me. I'm back, I'm back into it, baby. Tonight, I, uh, I'm driving down to Coburg, which is about an hour and a half from, from where I live. I've got a gig there tonight. Well, I hope I've got a gig there tonight. This is the problem with, um, this is the problem with being an open mic comedian. Like, you, you have to go and just sign up. Do you know what I mean? I'm at the... I'm at the bottom of the barrel of quality of comedians in Victoria at the moment. So if you if you want to get a gig, you have to rock up and cross your fingers. And the thing is, to drive two hours only to hopefully get a gig is a... I mean, you're rolling the dice. I messaged the MC. So I messaged the MC and I said, mate, here's the situation. I live two hours away. Um, is there any chance that you can just put my name down on the paper so I don't have to drive there and potentially not get a gig? And... Um, he messaged me back after I messaged him again to remind him that I'd messaged him. And he said, I can't help you, mate. It's uh, first in, best dressed. I said, I totally understand. I know, the problem is, I know that wouldn't happen. If I had any kind of reputation as a comedian, that message would get me through. But based on the fact that only one in three of my jokes are funny at the moment, you can't, you can't put up much of a fight, can you? Like, I can't tell him that I can guarantee that I'll just make the, uh, make the night so enjoyable for everyone. Because he's seen me perform before. He knows that's not necessarily true. Some, sometimes I make people's nights worse. Like last week, I was, I was at a gig. I think I might have told you about it in the city. And I, I got to the punchline of my first joke. And, uh, and I don't know, there was a girl with green hair in the front row and I could tell she didn't like it. And I knew based on the colour of her hair that she wasn't going to like that joke. Because I think it was something to do with maybe gender. And green hair screams that we don't want gender jokes going around. And so I pointed it out. I said, you know what? As soon as I saw your green hair, I knew I shouldn't have done that joke. And uh, it only made it worse, actually. I thought we were bantering. She thought I was abusing. It was a very confusing situation to be a part of, of which I escaped that building quite quickly. Because uh, by the end of that gig, there weren't a whole heap of people in the room smiling. There's a few people looking at me like, I can't believe that in 2022 you think something like that's appropriate. And, uh, and I, I knew it wasn't, but it's the problem with being on stage is, but like before you have time to edit what you say, it's already happened. It's come out of your mouth. You're like, <laughs> have fun with that one. And then I have to go back home and listen to the tape and, uh, and just question myself even more. Go, Tice, did you really think that was appropriate? And then the other part of my brain goes, not really, but how funny was it? And I said, well, based on the fact no one laughed, it wasn't that funny. I said, well, humor's subjective. You found it funny. And then the other part said, yeah, but you're trying to make an audience laugh. Do you know what I mean? And if the goal is to make an audience laugh and you're the only one laughing, surely that's considered a failure. Logically, I mean, if you're going to look at it from a rational perspective, if the audience, if you're on stage and you're the only one laughing at your jokes, things haven't, things aren't working like they should be. And no one cares that it's free and that it's open mic comedy and that people are trying to figure out their stuff. They just don't want to be offended. They want to laugh. 
And uh, if you break those two rules, then you're just an asshole. And and there's many times I've left buildings and I've been an asshole. And I'm like, I, you understand that this is more painful for me than it is to you. My goal is to make you laugh. Like driving down here, I was rehearsing these jokes for you. And now I've got here and I've, I've made a joke about the hair color, which apparently means something about your gender and no one's laughing, not even me at this stage. I just want to get off stage. My sweat's breaking out. You can see my heart pumping. And now I have to listen to that tape on the way home and try and justify to myself, it's okay, Tyson, it's just a learning curve. This is what this is what all the greats had to go through. <laughs> this is what all, this is, you started at the bottom, now we're here, is the Drake song. That song gets played a lot on my drive home. There's a lot of comfort there. I'm not sure that he started quite as far down at the bottom in the rap scene as what I've started in the comedy scene. I mean, there's some jokes where like, not only are they not funny, I think they're just flat out offensive, which is not the cute. I want to be a lovely person. I want to go into that room and everyone to feel loved and appreciated and have a good night. And sometimes I single someone out and, and they look like they're trying to hold back tears because the whole audience is, is looking at them and, and they're ashamed to be there. And I feel horrible. <laughs> but it's live. It can't be edited. There's not much you can do in that situation. So... I'm not 100% sure what to what to do. The worst part is as well, like even if I get a gig tonight, chances are there'll be no audience. Chances are, like the open mic comedy scene in Melbourne generally means you're just you're telling jokes to, to other comedians. And the brutal part about telling jokes to other comedians is um they just they don't want to be a part of it. Like they just they're not interested in what you have to say because they're they're thinking about what they have to say. So let me do, I'm just fixing this camera here because Last time I uploaded, like last week I uploaded onto YouTube and my head was all blurry. I think, I think that's pretty clear. I think that's pretty clear. I hope no one's noticing I'm wearing the same shirt as I wore a couple of weeks ago. This podcast is making me vain because I don't usually care about what clothes I wear. But I think if I wear the same shirt this week as, as what I wore a week and a half ago, you're going to look at me and be like, this guy has no fashion sense. This guy doesn't get style. I can't believe he's only got four shirts. I've only got three, but one of them's black. I just wash it on a regular basis. And, and hopefully the, the sunlight, the way it hits it, makes it look as though it might be, um, might be a different colour. I don't know. The, the comedy scene, I'm, as much as I, I bag it and I give it a hard time and I say I'm, I'm going to be performing in front of a room full of comedians, there's still benefit to that, I think, if you don't get slack with it. Like, as long as you don't care about having a room full of people who just don't find you funny, which I'm becoming very comfortable with. Like, it's amazing how comfortable you can become with telling a joke, getting to the punchline, and no one even smiling. In fact, I had a gig a couple of weeks ago, and I got to the punchline, and someone went, oh. Do you know what I mean? It's uncomfortable. I'm not 100% sure what to do with that. But I give myself plenty of opportunities as well, because... One of the things that I one of the things that I kind of pride myself on, or maybe it's maybe it's not something I should pride myself on, but something that definitely happens in my life is is I don't have a heap of fear of of people looking at me going, this guy's a, a dickhead. <laughs> it's funny how uh, like familiarity, you just get comfortable with that kind of thing. But I regularly go over to the beach across the across the road here and do my breathing exercises, and there's o- there's only so many people that you can answer the question of are you okay to. Uh, before you just start not caring. Like now when people see me hyperventilating on the beach doing my Wim Hof breathing exercises and they and they ask the question, are you okay? I, I sometimes, I don't even stop breathing. I just sort of give them a nod halfway through. <laughs> I remember once we were in Spain and I was going through a phase of, of just bringing out these Wim Hof breathing exercises at the most random moment. So we're about to do some kind of, it was like a cliff walk and we had... Um, I think that's what you call it. I wish I could remember the name on it. It was a cliff walk and we were way off a beaten track and we were, we were around a few people that they had no idea who I was. They had no idea that I had an interest in, in Wim Hof. And, uh, and we were sitting there, we had half an hour to kill. So in front of these people, I sort of moved up. We were under like an undercover area and there was just nothing to do. And, and on my to-do list that day was uh, finish your Wim Hof breathing exercises. And so I and so I did. Like I committed to doing my Wim Hof breathing exercises. I'll never forget. I was I was into the third rep, uh, the third round of three, and this man came up to my my wife, and she was like, uh, and the man said to my wife, uh, is, "Is everything okay? Like, is he hyperventilating? Is he having a panic attack?" And my wife goes, "Just ignore him." 
like didn't even answer the question. Just ignore him. It's uh, I don't know. He didn't really do that though because he started asking me. He's like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Mate, honestly, just seriously ignore me." Jesse was upset though because we'd just come from the uh, Camino de Santiago, and and we'd been walking along. She had a heavy backpack on and needed to stop for a, a toilet break. And as she squatted down, I realised that just the slightest push would um would topple her over. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I walked up to her as she was doing a wee on the side of a path, pushed her, and she was like a little like a little cheeky turtle trying to roll off its shell. So so Jesse didn't have a whole heap of sympathy for me at that stage as to my feelings and as to what other people thought about me. In fact, for her, like a victory, a victory for her in that situation would have been for that that guy not to ask and for me to have been having a panic attack and actually just passed out because uh, I don't know like Eastern European blood sometimes uh, sometimes small things like that make her make her proud yeah I, don't, I do know that I do know the feeling of being slightly embarrassed about what's going on though like a uh, I'm not I'm not completely oblivious to the embarrassment of of something not being as it should be. So I've got an 18 month old kid now and he's, he says two words. He can say bye as in goodbye. And he can say bar as in like bar, like a sheep. And to him, they're the same word. He doesn't understand that, that there's a slight difference in those words. So, so one of the things that I've been navigating lately is, is for strangers to walk past. And, and, and this is the other problem as well. He doesn't understand the difference between hello and goodbye. So everything's just bye, like bye, bye. And every now and then, uh, someone will pass and go, hi, and he'll, he'll just start going, bah, bah. I go, mate, this is honestly, you're really ruining my image right here. Like, I've, you're, a, you're a really normal kid, as far as I can tell, but the fact that you've just barred at this beautiful lady who's come past just trying to say hello, it's almost disrespectful. He doesn't get it, though. He doesn't care. He's just, he's just going around. You know what I mean? He thinks I'm his shepherd. That's what happens. We go for a walk to the beach. He thinks I'm a shepherd. He thinks he's the flock. So the fact that he's walking along just saying, bah, bah, he's completely comfortable in his own skin. But it's, it's weird what you can get away with at a, at a young age, isn't it? Because I guess that's just, when you haven't got the education to suggest that that's the wrong way to greet someone, I guess um, you sort of get away with it. Kids are funny like that as well because there's a cutoff. They're, like there's a cutoff between him saying bah and it being cute to, to other people. Not me, I don't find it cute, I find it... I find it incredibly embarrassing. Like, how am I gonna how am I gonna be a correct shepherd of this? You know what I mean? I'm I'm trying to be a shepherd. Maybe I should stop using uh, farming language. Maybe he's really just adopted that. But there's certain things that you can do at a young age that are acceptable. But then, like, if he gets to seven and he's still bar like saying bar, he needs to see a psychotherapist. I think is the is the truth. Because cuteness, cuteness runs its course. Here's a perfect example. We walked down to the beach yesterday and there was a little girl and she had a Wiggles flotation device. And she, she must have been about two and a half. She was sitting on her flotation device on the shore with her family. And, and me and Charlie, we just went down there by ourselves. He had no toys. He was just standing there in the nude because that's what we, that's what we do. Like, not both of us. He'll, just, he'll be in the nude and I'll be in board shorts. You know what I mean? Because, again, it's that age thing. I'm 34. If I go to the beach in the nude, people... People start asking questions. He goes to the beach in the nude. It's the cutest thing people have ever seen. So there was a there was a girl on her flotation device. She just stood up, and Charlie's just learned to run, ran up and tried to grab it. And the whole family started laughing. I said, "Mate, honestly, what you're doing? It's it's called theft. Um, you can get away with this for a couple of years because people think it's cute, but eventually uh, it's incarceration. That's what happened to that's what happened to OJ. Do you know what I mean? He started stealing flotation devices. No one pulled him up. Bang. Next thing, girlfriend's dead. Glove didn't fit. He's a uh, He's let off, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the crime didn't happen. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. And so, so this girl saw Charlie trying to steal her flotation device, and I'm not sure what she thought was the right thing to do, but her the the act that she did was the wrong thing to do. She walked up and grabbed. Charlie's not a cuddler. He's not into physical touch. As much as I'm a physical touch guy, I like to go up and give him a big cuddle. And every time I attempt to cuddle him, he he just gets very agitated. Rarely do I get a cuddle. But this girl, for whatever reason, didn't have an appreciation for the fact he might not have been a, might not have been a cuddler. She was two. He's one and a half. How do you explain it to them? She went up and just she grabbed him so hard and squeezed her, squeezed him right in. I made the joke that if she's not careful, she'll be pregnant. Family didn't laugh. They thought that was inappropriate because they're just two kids having a little cuddle. I'm making sex jokes. 
Do you know what I mean? I said, well, honestly, if you don't want me making sex jokes, don't dress her in a bikini. She's two. Did <laughs> you know? That's ridiculous. That is such a ridiculous comment to make. But but I didn't say the don't dress her in that, but I just said, hey, Charlie, be careful, mate. Like, any closer and she'll be pregnant. That's a weird comment from a 34-year-old guy, I reckon. You can't really make that and expect to get away with it. In fact, I agree with the people. They, sh they deserved, like, I deserve the response I got. Just blank faces and like a slight shake of the head. The girl was there with her grandparents. She looked disgusted. I know the drill. You're not supposed to... You're not supposed to make those kind of jokes about... Um, about anyone, really. Especially in 2022. Let alone a two-year-old. That's disgusting. Charlie looked at me like, Dad, don't worry, I got the... I know what I'm doing. I said, mate, I know you don't know. I know you don't know what you're doing, but I appreciate the confidence nonetheless. She was holding him tight as well. He was going nowhere. But it was so funny because she, she held him so tight. I reckon he, he lasted about a minute and he was trying to push her away. He started pushing the face and then all of a sudden he's like, well, Dad, that's the best I've got. I'm just going to have to start crying. Do you know? It's Isn't it funny? Like the idea of just going up to a stranger's kid and give him a hug is something that only children can do. There's a cutoff to that. If I if I ever went up to a pretty woman on the beach and just started cuddling her, I would be I would be arrested real quick. At least she was into it. Do you know what I mean? Which I wouldn't do based on the fact I'm married, based on the fact that I think social etiquette suggests you shouldn't do that at the beach. Or anywhere, for that matter. It wouldn't even matter if you're at a restaurant and you just went up to the lady at the table next to you and started giving her a cuddle. I guess it, it all depends on the response of the person you're doing it to. You might... The truth is, if a lady came up to me and just started cuddling me, I'll, I'm a physical touch guy. I'll cuddle her right back. I love a cuddle. But that's just me. And, and that's where you've got to be careful not just to label... Or not to assume everybody else just likes the same kind of things that you do. Because if you're going up to someone, throwing out cuddles, and they're not into it, you're going to be arrested before you know it. Yeah. Kids are hard as well. My, my best mate's got a, a, a two-year-old now as well, and he's a lot bigger than Charlie, and he's going through this phase of, of just going up to Charlie, and he'll cuddle Charlie, and Charlie goes, <laughs> and then he'll push him over, and he'll laugh, and Charlie will cry. And it's weird because you don't want the, you don't want the dynamic between your best mate and you to change, but I look at this kid, I go, mate, if you do that one more time, I'm going to get you in a choker hold, little bitch kid. You're two, I'm 34, I've got so, I've been at the gym for eight years, bro. I can't get you to check a hold, you go to sleep if I get the right spot and you don't fight back. I reckon I couldn't, I reckon I, I could if my life depended on it. If I had to choke a kid unconscious, I could in the right situation, but ideally I would try to avoid that. But it's really hard to navigate your emotions in a situation like that because your kid just got pushed over. And I want my, I want him to develop a sense of confidence. I want my kid to grow up and, and sort of have a bit of a swagger about him. But he, he hasn't started jujitsu yet. I'm going to start him when he's maybe five. We're going to go, we're going to go get into it together. And um, I just, I don't want him to lose his confidence before he gets to that phase. So I said to my wife last night, what I'm going to try and do, I'm just going to try and teach Charlie to, to just give one slap in the face. So I was getting Charlie in a cuddle and I was trying to slip, like just teach him just to whack me in the side of the head. Because the the, I think if he could just get like a good swing, whack this little kid in the side of the head, it, it's enough to shock. Do you know what I mean? At the moment, he just gets pushed over and starts crying. The other kid thinks, oh, this is fantastic. I've got the upper hand. I'm not the bitch in this relationship. He's the bitch. Problem is, his dad's six foot four as well. So he's always beat the shit out of me. So in any of our... Uh, in any of our wrestles, play fights, I remember once going to my uncle's house. He had a boxing ring set up in his lounge. <laughs> long story, really long story. A lot of cocaine involved. Not on my part, in my uncle's. He had a boxing ring set up in, in his lounge room. And we got there and I said to my mate, hey, chuck the boxing gloves on. And, and, and so we did. And he said, let's have a, let's have a fight, best, best uh, of, of two rounds. And we didn't need two rounds because he landed one punch on me and, and cracked my rib. I'm not, that sounds exaggerated for the purpose of this story, but he didn't. I was laying, I was laying on the side of the ring trying to catch my breath. He's doing the Muhammad, Muhammad Ali jumping around the side of the ring like he's the champion, standing on the ropes waving to the imaginary crowd. I'm there gasping for air saying, man, please call the ambulance. I think I'm in serious trouble. And he's like, you know how great I am. Say it. I'm like, oh, Jocko, you're the best. You're the best of all time. Just call the ambulance. I can't breathe. He's like, you little bitch. You little bitch. <laughs> So, so the reason I don't want my kid to be pushed to the ground is because his dad's done that to me for a long time. It's very humbling. He's the kind of guy as well that being six foot four, we've had so many moments where I've just ran up behind him, jumped on his back, got him in a choker hold, 
And I don't know what happened. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, bitch, you're going to be unconscious in 30 seconds. After four seconds, somehow I'm on my back and I'm just waking up. I'm slightly waking up. And he's, he's just sitting on me like I'm a like I'm a horse in a sat like he's in a saddle on a horse, pinned down, arms there, nuts right in my face, going, don't mess with me, bro. Don't mess with I said, honestly, man, it's really embarrassing. Can you take your nuts out of my, my face? It's so embarrassing. Like I got it, I got one of your pubes on my chin. He goes, Well, don't stop trying to get me in choker holes. This happens every time. I go, honestly, like I didn't I didn't honestly expect you to put balls on my chin again. Do you know how that is one of the most embarrassing situations I've found myself in? Especially when your little cousin's watching. I go, first of all, you shouldn't get your your nuts out in front of young children. Second of all, you can't have your so he's actually, yeah, my little my little cousin, um, eight years old at the time, looks over, my mate's got me pinned down, nuts on my chin. He, this eight year old's looking, going, This is this doesn't seem to be normal behaviour. You know, I'm trying to bite the skin off his nuts. <laughs> just, just to make a point. Like, get off me, I'll get it. But um, I've never done that again, because once I actually made contact with it, it just it feels weird to bite your best mate on the nuts. Do you know what I mean? It's just, he's, his ball bag should be nowhere near my mouth. Do you know what I mean? I don't have a problem with people who are into that kind of thing, but when it's your best mate and you've been married for a few years to a woman, it's just a bad look. Like, if Jesse came inside, it's, there's no way of explaining that as a non-sexual thing. Like, honestly, how do you, with, a, with, a, with one of your best mate's nuts in your mouth, how do you explain to your wife that it's not, it's not what it looks like? And as I said, he's a big guy, it's a big nut. It's like a small apple, or at least a, a big peach. You know what I mean? Nectar. I always get peaches and nectarines, mother. I decided this week that a nectarine's just a peach with a Brazilian. Because <laughs> they taste so similar, but peaches are furry. So I, I think, um, yeah, my new nut, I just call it sexy... Sexy peach is, is what a nectarine is. That's, <laughs> that's my diagnosis. I reckon, it's a, I reckon it's a sexy peach. Oh, It's such a silly comment. I tweeted that the other day. And uh, I'm, I've been going through a Twitter phase recently because, because I've given myself a ban from Instagram. I've banned myself from Facebook. But I'm still curious to find out what... Voice for Victoria is saying about everything that's going on in Victoria at the moment. So I, I log on to Twitter and as a result, I set myself a goal that all this year, like every day this year, I'm going to write like a joke premise as a, um, what's it called? I'm going to write a joke premise as a, as a tweet and just see what's funny. But it must be so random because I've, I've literally got 10 followers on there. Do you know what I mean? And it's what I deserve because what did I tweet the other day? I tweet, I, I thought this was funny. I said, uh, a tampon is just an adventurous pad. <laughs> I, said that. I said that to my wife, and she goes, babe, honestly, like when when a woman doesn't have their period, they don't want to hear that, but but when they actually have it, like that's the last thing. Do you know what I mean? I guess I was trying to use it in a passive-aggressive way as well, just to identify to her that I knew that she had her period. So that's, that's probably one thing. But I don't know. I reckon people would be so confused if they came to my Twitter page because I, I started the, the page about six months ago and I, I started it just to follow. Uh, I wanted to follow some people in the day trading world, find out what stocks they're looking at, find out how much they were making, find out. I just wanted to learn about that. And, and as a result, some of these people have started following me back. No, I'm interested in that scene. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm tweeting about sexy nectarines or sexy peaches, uh, Tamp, it's just, it's absurd, really. I'm 34 years old. This needs to stop. This is a joke. But I still find it very funny. I do find it funny, and I'm not going to stop. Because what I've realized just in the first 25 minutes of this podcast is that I don't care if the audience isn't laughing, and that's a really big, that's going to be a really big factor for, you know, it's going to be a really big factor for, for my comedy career, that's gonna have to change. <laughs> anyway, I got plenty of time to reflect on that. I um, another thing I, I wrote on Twitter the other day was was I absolutely love my family, especially when they go out for the night. <laughs> the other night, so it was last Friday. Jessie went out. She had a girls' night, and uh, I was so embarrassed because she goes, "Oh, what are you gonna do when I go out?" She always, whenever whenever I go out, she's always just sitting at home. She'll have a bath. She'll put her feet up. She'll she she'll sort of just, she'll. She'll take it easy, do you know what I mean? She goes, oh, you should have a bath. I go, sweetie, I'm not, what are you talking about, have a bath? I go, I've got so many things to do that you think I'm going to, like, you're out for the night, I'm just going to lay, lay in the bath and just relax. Is that what you think I'm, I'm going to do? 
And she goes, no, I'm not saying you should, or I'm not making any judgment. I'm just saying that it'd be a relaxing thing for you to do. And the way you've just responded to me makes it sound like you're quite pent up. So maybe have a bath. It's probably going to be good for both of us. I said, oh, I'm not having a bath. Problem is, half an hour after she left, I noticed she had left Epsom salts on the side of the bath. This is how beautiful she is. She she leaves the Epsom salts there just to, to, you know, just to tempt me a little bit more. It's like me saying I'm going on a diet and then finding a Mars bar on the kitchen bench. It's like, well... You know, if someone's put it there for you, it's disrespectful not to use it. And, and before I knew it, I was, I was laying back. I had lavender essence in the bath. I had Epsom salts there. And, uh, and I was there for an hour just laying there listening to my book, Wild Swans, <laughs> which, is, which is such an incredibly gay description of my Friday night, which I have no problem with. But as a straight man, I just feel it's important to, to point that out. Do you know what I mean? I don't want any guys knocking at my door going, oh, Friday night bath night. Because I reckon there's probably about four blokes that I would let... And the bath's not that big, to be fair. But, but they are underrated. So, fellas, don't, don't feel like you've got to put on a tough face. If you want to have a bath, get your Epsom salts. Do you know what I mean? If you want to use the, the skin exfoliator that your wife's got in a little secret stash at the end of the bath, get it out. Exfoliate those legs, arms. Ask your wife to even it out when you get back and exfoliate your back. It's not, it's not a problem, is what I'm saying. The lavender was a bit far, I think. I, I got excited. When I was a kid, my mum used to put lavender on my pillow. She goes, this is going to help you sleep well. And now I've got this weird relationship with lavender essence that every time I smell it, I feel so relaxed because mum said that's what it does. And, and it's just a belief that sort of permeated my brain. And as a result... Does permeate my brain, does that make sense? Permeate, that means to get through, doesn't it? I don't want to say penetrate my brain because that sounds, that sounds more sexual than like the education on a new word should sound. Like if someone penetrates my brain with a new word, I, um, I don't want to be a part of that. But yeah, I don't know. Like what would be, because there's certain smells that you associate with a guy that aren't that gay. Like if I go into a, if I go to, go into a football club room you smell deep heat. That's like a manly smell. Do you know what I mean? But if you came into my bathroom, I'm laying there with Epsom salts, like that cloudy coloured bath water um, from the salts dissolving and the scent of lavender in the air. You go, oh, sorry, mate, I, I didn't know didn't know you had a boyfriend. I thought you were <laughs> I thought you were married. It's uh, but it was a it was a really good night. I didn't tell Jessie that that's what I did, but she knew because I forgot to empty out the bath water. I got out, got dried, and. Uh, and went and watched Empire of the Sun, 1986 movie with Christian Bale. Not that great, I'm going to be honest. Not that good. I feel like he overacted a little bit. But he was 10, so of course he's going to overact. Like, he really wanted the spot. Not everyone's as good as that kid from E.T. Did you ever go to YouTube and watch uh, auditions for, for E.T.? The little kid who gets the gig, I don't know his name, but the little kid who gets the gig in E.T., he's incredible. He cries on demand. Which I, I think is incredible. I'm, I'm quite a crier. I, and it catches me out sometimes. I can't cry on demand. But I was watching Roadrunner, the, uh, the Anthony Bourdain documentary last night. And Jesse didn't notice. But about two minutes before it ended, I, I, I exhaled. And all of a sudden I did a... I was like, oh my gosh. Dice, you got you got to get in touch with your emotions. Do you know what I mean? I've got this book. Um... I found this book for $2. So you could buy it online. It's Carl Jung's Man and His Symbols. And it looks at your dream life. No joke. I started to I started to read this. So it looks at like the symbolism that mankind uses to uh, like in, in all different religions, in all different situations. Super interesting. I started reading through this book. And as I was reading, I, I guess it's just because I started to pay way more attention to my dreams. But I started to have the most intense dreams. I was journaling about them. So I'm going to get back into that. How did I start talking to you all about dreams? I'm not sure. I'm not even sure. It ma- I had a weird dream last night. I had a dream I was at my uh, my best mate's Bucks, the guy who pins me down with his nut in my mouth because he's got his Bucks coming up later this year. And uh, for whatever reason, I just I dreamed it was, it was awkward and there was like tension. And I was like, no, this is not what I want. I really wanted this to be a great night out with all the boys. And, and there was a couple of guys there that didn't want to talk to me. And I was thinking, what have I done? And they just said that you're a dickhead. That's what you've done. And I woke up in like a bit of a sweat going, I can't believe they were so upset at me. Like they should have just spoke to me about it. I'm not trying to upset anyone. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that Tony, that, that Tony Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain documentary was really intense. 
It's weird, that rock and roller kind of vibe. So essentially what I've discovered is a rock and roller is just someone who usually, okay, like with the exception of music, in order to be a rock and roller, all you have to do is not care that much. I think. Like not, not care that much about how people perceive you. Is that, is that true? Like is that a fair summation of, of what a rock and roller is? Or, like he, had, he had a kind of reputation where he just seemed like he didn't care what people thought about him, but it was what it's weird. Here's, here's this is how I knew he's a rock and roller. I hate cooking, and and I watched the documentary and I thought, man, actually, I'm quite interested in cooking. I cooked dinner last night in anticipation because we watched the first hour of this show on Tuesday today, Sunday night, and then we watched the second hour just last night. So, in anticipation, I, I started, uh, I cook, I tried to cook a lentil soup, it, was, it just tasted rubbish. From the moment I read the the recipe, I I went to Blue Zones. Like Blue Zones have a lot of uh, have a lot of recipes on their website. Blue Zones is a is a really interesting book. Like it looks at the oldest, healthiest people in the world. So it looks at, at like the way they live, the way they eat, the way they move, their relationships, their sleep habits, like a whole range of factors. And uh, and essentially, like there's no surprises there. Essentially, they just they exercise regularly, they eat organic, clean food. They've got great relationships. They don't eat that much meat. And I know, like, the word epidemiologist has been thrown around lately, but there's a lot of epidemiologists who say it's impossible to grasp exactly what it might be. Like, maybe it's their blood, maybe it's the clean air, maybe it's... But, I mean, there's a few factors that that are similar. So there were seven Blue Zone locations all around the world. There's Okinawa in Japan. There's, um, uh, what is it, not Sicily, Sardinia. Sardinian soup is a great recipe. If If you're in the hunt for an easy meal that's so healthy that you feel incredible after eating, so easy to cook. Yeah, go to, type in Blue Zones Sardinian Soup. I can guarantee it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a win. But yeah, Tony Bourdain had an interesting life by the, by the sound of it. He struggled a, a little bit with, with anger and depression and addic- like an addictive personality. Relationships didn't seem like a strong forte, but it's a sad end. I tell you, it's a really, it's a really sad end. It's, uh, I mean, it didn't fi- finish up like this, this Djokovic court case here in Victoria. Obviously, you guys have been following that. I've been following Djokovic. So my family's origins are from Serbia. So as a default, I go, hang on a second, he's, he's my boy. Yeah, I don't speak any of the language, but I've got family in Dubrovnik. And I'm pretty sure that's, I get muddled up with Serbia. To me, it's all Yugoslavia. Growing up, my grandma used to say, I'm from Yugoslavia. I said, what is that? It doesn't exist anymore. And she goes, it still does exist. It just depends who you listen to. Um, I think it had something to do with communism, like uh, over-the-top dictators trying to... I don't know. It sounded very similar to Dan Andrews, is, is what I'm trying to say. Which people hate. The people that I had over for lunch yesterday, I deliberately didn't talk about this kind of stuff. So Dan Andrews is the Premier of Victoria, if you didn't know. And uh, he's been on holiday for a couple of weeks, which has been fantastic. But... Um, Anyway, I can't be bothered even talking about it. Honestly, I don't, I don't want to be a political guy. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I just have opinions and I just throw them at you, and then you guys go, "Man, like this is the thing." So many people see this this whole situation that's taking place right now as a uh, we just see it so differently. I'm pretty convinced right now in in the idea that we're trying to be put on a social credit system. That's my genuine belief. I think I'm right. I've got a feeling that there's elites around the world. This sounds very QAnon saying out loud, and I know some people aren't going to accept it, especially because my mate who told me about it believes the earth's flat. But <laughs> so, but you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. He's saying no. Essentially, what's going on is uh, people are trying to uh, people are trying to get us on this uh, this social credit system with chips under our skin, where all our identity, our information is just stored in one little thing. Under it's in Revelation. My wife read it to me when we went to bed last night. She goes, "Babe, can I read you a verse from Revelation?" I said, "That is one of the most random good night stories I've ever heard." So it started off with something about a beast and the mark of the beast and. Uh, anyway, it was a, it was quite haunting. I'm not sure what Carl Jung would make of that, but maybe that's the reason my dreams were so vivid and aggressive last night. I, it maybe implanted some some uncertainty, some fear, and as a result, the the people who are my friends at my friend's bucks party, um, they represented my fear by calling me a dickhead. I'm not sure. I'm not Carl Jung or a psychotherapist. I was going to say, but that theory makes sense, but it, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And this is the beauty of not editing a podcast because now that rant I just went on, that can't get taken out. That's there to stay. 
And so as a result, I'm going to get back to speaking about Novak Djokovic. I reckon we've missed what's happened with Novak Djokovic. Everyone's talking about the Australian government, Tennis Australia, Victorian government. Whose problem is it? You know what we've missed? We've missed the fact that this is one of the greatest marketing stunts by Tennis Australia that we have ever seen. Do you know what I mean? Tennis Australia, the Australian Open should be incredibly proud of themselves. The marketing team deserve a massive pay rise because all that's happened, all that's happened is that Tennis Australia have said, hey, you know what, let's change the rules, lock up world number one. It'll make world headlines. People will remember, oh, we've got the Australian Open coming up. That's gonna create a massive buy-in from the rest of the world. Imagine the audience number, revenue for advertisers, win, 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 win. As long as Djokovic doesn't get knocked out in the first round. Greatest advertisement of all time. I reckon we should try and advertise other shit sports like that. Do you know what I mean? If you're, if you're an AFLW player, you should suggest this to the big boss. Lock up one of the top players just to try and get people interested in, in your shit sport. That's horrendous. That's so mean. It's not even a shit sport, and I don't necessarily totally agree with it. It's like normal football, but just slow motion. But it's, it's not that I have an issue with it. I just feel like that's an accurate description of what it is. It's like, it's like every sport's the same. It doesn't matter if you're a distance runner. It doesn't matter if you're a sprinter. Like, women's sport are just men's sport in slow motion. It's not slow motion. You know what I mean? Okay, I feel I just felt three people unsubscribe. But I'm not going to say sorry because you can't apologize for truth. But tell, honestly, is that a good idea? Get the marketing team of a shit sport. Let's not do something so close to home. Who's the top synchronized swimmer in the world? Get the synchronized swimming organization of Australia to lock up. The problem is, if you did a sport like synchronized swimming, it'll turn out because apparently there's been refugees at the same building that Novak was in for a couple of nights. They've been there for nine years. I had no idea. I guess if there's anything good that came out of Novak, apart from the uh, incredible revenue that the advertisers from the Australian Open are going to get due to the highest viewings of all time, guaranteed, like the Australian Tennis Open 2022, people are saying boycott it. The fact that you're saying boycott the Australian Open is simply bringing more and more attention to it. This is gonna be the most watched Australian Open of all time. Problem is, if you locked up the world's number one synchronized swimmer, they would turn into a full-blown, you would forget about them for 12 years, it's it's really backfire. Because they'd get locked in a room and no one would know that they were missing. And I'm not sure, maybe that's a way that we get rid of synchronized swimming. It's amazing the things that you can come up with on a podcast like this. I tweeted that to uh, the Australian Football League, uh, the AFLW last, haven't had a response yet. Which is, um, which is what you'd expect. I've got 10 followers, like now my 10 followers, I'm pretty sure eight of them are bots as well. Like I've got eight bots, um, and then two real followers. So funny, whenever I land an awesome joke on Twitter, I know it because I get one like. I get one like on the tweet. That's my trading friend from, um, from Brisbane. I notice he hasn't liked any for the last four days, which has made me feel as though I'm bombing a little bit. But that's started at the bottom, now we're here. That's the game we play. Oh my, hey, check the, oh my gosh. All right, Oi, how's your confidence gone? I've got a story for you. I'm going to try and get this guy on the podcast because this is incredible. So now I, I don't have all the details just locked in super tight, but I've, I've got the general idea. So so my dad called me the other day. He goes, Tyce, I've got a story for you. I said, Dad, tell me the story. He goes, one sec, mate. i got to just remember the details. Then he did. So my dad, is he's originally from a place in Victoria in Australia. It's called Trelgan. For, for you locals, it's in East Gippsland. Beautiful. Trelgan's not that beautiful. It's got like a coal mine out there and um, and massive big steam pops. So pretty much all the clouds which are in Trelgan are actually, they're artificial clouds. They're just big steam clouds. But that's, that's, a, that's another podcast for another day. But that's what it's known as. The further east you go in Gippsland, the more beautiful it gets. I mean, there's beautiful parts of Trelgan. But there's also a lot of heroin needles. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Um, so my dad called me, said, Ty, sit down, I've got a story for you. So my dad had just posted, uh, Rob Popplestone is his name, is my dad's name. So if you want to go and fact check this story, go and do it. He posted a photo of, a, of him and his friend, a childhood friend on Facebook, just the other day. And... He wrote this story with it. This is, I'll tell you the story he said to me. He goes, all right. So my mate, I think his name's Greg Howe. Greg Howe 
is is a businessman, has been a businessman for a long time. Um, I don't know how well he's done in the business world, but he sounds like a little bit of a mover and shaker. Or he does now, anyway. But a few years ago, he he must be 55, 56, turned 57, same same age as my dad. He moved to America a few years ago, and when he moved there, he moved there with the goal of making $1 from every person in America, which sounds ambitious. That sounds ridiculous. And... Um, but that was his goal. That's what he set out to do. Anyway, he was he was doing his business. He's doing his thing for a few years. Then in the middle of the pandemic, like early last year, he started to think about, all right, like surely there's an opportunity in here for, for someone to make money. And if, and if there is an opportunity here for someone to make money, why can't that person be me? And so he started to do a little bit of research and go, all right, well, there's a lot of masks talk going on at the moment. People are going to be ordering in masks. Should I invest in this area? He thought, oh, okay, maybe, maybe not. That doesn't quite interest me. He doesn't understand that scene very well. Then he started looking at, okay, well, the way that we're actually testing COVID, it doesesn't seem to be the most effective way to test it. Obviously, you have to line up for a long time. Surely there's a way that you can do this for home. Then he started to look around and realized that there were some companies who were in the early stages of developing their rapid antigen tests. All right, you see where this is going. So what happened, he looked around at a couple of other companies and then he found, he found one of the companies that he really liked. He contacted them and said, hey, look, um, this is my story. This is my history. Really interested in the business that you have. I want to invest in it. But more than that, I want to help you distribute these uh, rapid antigen tests to governments and countries all around the world. Uh, I don't know what that conversation looked like, but essentially they said yes. And this guy started contacting Israel, contacting the United States, contacting Europe, um, uh, bringing them to Australia. So I don't know the name of the company, but this bloke, from last year researching these rapid antigen tests to finding a company that he liked, to, as we all know here in Australia, you can't get a rapid antigen test if you're I was going to say if you blow a stranger, but that's a that's a graphic. I'm sure you could. I reckon there'd be some random bloke who would have one spare rapid antigen test in his top drawer and would accept would accept a BJ for you to do the test. But I mean, they're hard to come by. That's that's a big length to go to in order to get a to get a quick test, isn't it? So this guy, in the last two weeks, has made three hundred million dollars, and he's from Trelgan. So if you're listening to this and you're from Morwell or Narry Warren or what's another shit sub? <laughs> if you missed that reference, if you're in the United States, if you're from Bakersfield, I've been there. My car almost got robbed. That's the reason I'm throwing you guys under the rust. Or just Los Angeles as a whole. Get your roads fixed. It's disgusting. I went from Australia to LA in 2012 because Jesse and I were doing a road trip around the West Coast. And the first thing I thought when I turned from the car rental place onto the, the main freeway or highway or whatever it was, was this road is despicable. I thought America was supposed to be fancy, and I realized the road from Melbourne to Terrelgan is a far better and safer road than that one was. What I'm saying, guys, is, is back yourself. You know what I mean? Have a crack. How exciting is that? Like a lot of people I've found, including myself at times, all you had to do was follow myself on Instagram before I gave myself a ban. We're getting, we get worked up, we get frustrated, but there's, there's opportunities here. And I noticed with me, there wasn't a, like nothing that I did during my, nothing that I did during my, um, what do you call it? During my whinging phase, it didn't change anything. So as a result, not only was I not changing anything, I was just being a bitch and watching my Instagram following go down. One, one awesome chick I've known for years messaged me, she's like, Tyson, I used to really look up to you. And I was like, oh, that's a horrible way to start a message. And I look back at my Instagram story and I was giving the Bulgarian health minister a hard time because she was morbidly obese. But I was sick of bureaucrats. I just didn't want bureaucrats telling me what was best for my health. It was in the middle of the phase where they're saying, if you don't get the jab, you're not healthy, you can't work. And I thought, well, hang on a second. You're 400 kilos overweight. Surely I should have a, a little bit of swinging power when it comes to offering health advice. She didn't want to hear it though. Anyway, it's... Uh... It is what it is. I'm not going down that rabbit hole today. I'm feeling too chilled. I've been to the best. One of the things, I reckon one of the best things for me, like one of the most helpful ways to calm down is just go over to the beach. Go over to the beach. I've got my surfboard over here. I don't surf enough. I'm going to try and go out this week maybe because I, I need to. I've got the board. I've got the wetsuit. I don't have the skills yet, but I'll get that. People often ask, like, when I go surfing, aren't you scared of sharks? And the truth is that a little bit, a little bit scared of sharks. But you know what is way scarier to me than sharks? Other surfers. 
other surfing i don't know how surfing got the reputation of being this um it's got a reputation of being like this super super relaxed sort of chilled vibe I don't know how it happened. Like, don't you reckon surfers have this reputation? If you don't know the surfing scene, surfers have a reputation of being so chilled. Long hair, don't care. But they do care. They do care a lot. They're, they're the most aggressive athletes on the face of the earth. And truth is, if you go out on a busy day, you're far more at risk being attacked and killed by another surfer than you are by a shark. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. A girl out here at Ocean Grove had her calf bitten off by a, by a shark a few weeks ago. But I reckon, if you looked at the amount of calves that have been bitten off by other surfers in comparison to uh, actual sharks here in Ocean Grove, I reckon it'd be 10 to one. Other surfers for sure have bitten surfers' calves off. The problem is, there's a lot of rules to surfing that you don't know about. See, in here's my thing. When I moved down, I thought, okay, I've got long hair, I've got a surfboard, because I had long hair at the time. I got a surfboard. Uh, I'll walk with a bit of a strut. I'll walk with a bit of swagger. I'll paddle out. I'll make it look as though I know what I'm doing. And then we're all good. And then I started trying to paddle onto waves and just would hear behind me, you dickhead! You! And then I'll turn around and be like, bro, you gotta chill, man. Like, this is the beach. It's like, bro, do you know about anything about surf etiquette? I come home and I was like, oh, gee, I didn't actually realize there was there was anything called surf etiquette. So I, I came home and I, I Googled surf etiquette and I realized, okay, there's a lot to learn. You can't just paddle onto a wave if someone's already on it. I didn't know that. Don't judge me. Don't. If you're a surfer, get stuffed if you're judging me. You guys are aggressive. You guys need to, honestly, you need to watch Point Break. Actually, I can't remember if Point Break's a good example of a relaxed surfer or not. Watch The Endless Summer, 1966 documentary, The First Endless Summer at... Uh, Maybe the best documentary of all time, so corny, so dorky, so great. The most, it was like an Aussie, I think it was two, actually I don't know if it was an Aussie guy or an American guy, but but two mates, they travel the world surfing, and uh, so chilled, so relaxed. And I look at that and I go, okay, the world needs to be more like these surfers. But we need to be more like the stereotype of a surfer rather than the reality of a surfer, because Surfers are assholes. Apart from my mate, I'm gonna make Brenton Ford. He um, had, I went for a run last Friday with Brent Ford and and my mate Jocker. And so we met up at seven fifteen. Brenton's got two kids. Met up at seven fifteen. Went for a ten k run. Slow average pace. I think we're running at like five and a half minute k pace. Okay, but nothing to write home about. Brenton had just come from a pool. He had just come. He'd done an hour and a half worth of swimming. He'd swam five k's. Then he ran ten k's. And then uh, we went out for coffee, he had a burrito. After his burrito, I said, mate, what are you doing? He's like, I'm gonna go out for a couple of hours surf. He's the only bloke who fits into the cat. He's the only surfer I know who's relaxed. Do you know any surfers who, who fit the category? I think a skater's more relaxed. Skaters seem a little bit more relaxed. I've been watching a few Tony Hawk documentaries. That's not true, actually. Now, skaters are aggressive as well. Maybe it's just getting to know the scene that you're in well enough. Maybe it's just a guy thing. Maybe just guys with too much testosterone up until the age of 37 get a little bit too wound up. That's what I think it is. I'm not sure. Anyway, so what I'm saying is there's a few reasons I'm not surfing because I've got to figure out surf etiquette. If I drop one in, uh, uh, drop in on one more wave in front of a 14-year-old kid and get abused by them again and he's got his dad there to back him up, it's for me that's just frustrating. It's too humbling. But um, that mate, actually, that I was just telling you about. So I've been going through a phase where I've been watching this show, Succession. So Succession is a, I think I've told you before, I think it's maybe loosely based on the, the Rupert Murdoch family. So the Rupert Murdoch family, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you do, just Google it. It's essentially like media moguls and the influence that they have on the rest of the world, the opinions, politics, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it was a really big hit. Apparently, my, I told him, mate, uh, I've been telling people it's my favorite documentary of all time. Sorry, favorite TV series of all time. Uh, problem is I've mentioned it to a lot of people and and no one knows about it. No one's ever heard of it. So I'm starting to think that maybe um, I don't know. Maybe my taste in 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 documentaries or movies and things aren't that good. Let me know. Go and watch The Road Runner. Go and watch Empire of the Sun. Go and watch what did I watch last week? Um, Into the Abyss. Go and watch these documentaries. I'm sure you're going to appreciate it. But this guy he he messaged me. He's got a nice house out in Torquay and apparently. 
there's a there's a new movie. I think it's an Australian movie. I could have the name right. I think it's called Run Rabbit Run, and apparently it's a horror it's a horror show, and it's about like a small coastal town chick who I, I don't know the story. He told me loosely the other day. I forgot what it is. Anyway, uh, I said that's cool, man. So so uh, sounds really good. He goes, yeah, they're hiring our house. So when we first moved in, they've got like a big vacant block at the back of their house. Beautiful house. Beautiful views of, of the ocean. Go follow Brenton Ford on Instagram. Might be set to private. But go and have a look at his um, his morning sunrise videos. It's insane, the morning sunrise. It's a beautiful spot for a movie. Anyway, I'll tell you that. And uh, I said, that's cool. Like, just thinking it was going to be like some university student making this making this program, making this pro. I can't believe it was called a program. I sound like, am I granddad? I'm 84 years old. Making this program. They're making a program at my friend's house. This is going to be a good program. They're making this movie at my, my friend's house. And the lead actor, for those of you, or actress, for those of you who have been watching Succession, it's Shiv Roy. I don't know her name. She's an Australian chick. She's kind of a big deal now. So the film crew, sounds interesting. The film crew is taking, they're going to move him, his wife, and his two kids into like a nice Airbnb for, for I think like a month and a half while they film this, this movie which is pretty cool. That's when you know you're doing pretty well. Like when you've got film companies coming and contacting you and say, hey, any chance we can film this movie at your house? No one's coming and knocking at my door going, mate, is there any chance I can use your house as a... It's like, it may be... What's that renovation show we used to have in a, in a straight... Not Backyard Blitz. Um, you know the one? Where they go into like an old building... Um, they knock it down, they start it again. You know what I'm talking about if you're in Australia. Anyway, that's what they would use our house for. To give you an idea of our house, like the the owner, I met the owner the other day and he came to our house and he had a mask on and stuff. I was like, bro, like, I didn't know he was the owner. I thought he was a repairman. I go, mate, take your mask off. Don't worry about that. I'm trying to leave these good impressions. He's like, oh, it's okay. I'm quite comfortable. I'm double vaccinated, but I'm going to leave it on just for my own health and safety. I said, oh, okay, no worries. I was like, mate, don't worry about it. My house is your house. Is blah, blah, blah. And he's like, this is very forward. I had no idea that he's the guy who owns his house. He built it. And I reckon he built it when he was still learning how to build Because there's a few, the foundations don't seem steady. We had an earthquake here a couple of months ago. And I genuinely just thought the wind was strong and the house was wobbling. That's because it's not that uncommon here. I was laying in bed the other night. I was like, I'm not sure if we're having an earthquake or if the the, the like the back stilt of our house has just fallen over and the house is just taking a fair whack. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's my goal. My goal is just to be able to. Uh, I guess my goal is just to be able to try and welcome welcome film crews into my house to be able to make a really really impressive documentary. Anyway, why do I keep calling it a documentary? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What else did I... I had a few other things I wanted to tell you guys today. Oh, it's... Uh, I thought this, this is sort of funny. So the other day I um, I was over at the local beach. So I don't know what the local beach is called. We've got Springs Beach, uh, which is there uh, in Point Lonsdale. And then across the road here, it's just like a... It's a bit of a nothing beach, but you've got a staircase down into quite... The tide is so far out today. I went over. I've been doing the Sam Harris uh, waking up meditation app. I've just got a seven-day free trial. I'm going to get it. If you're at all interested in meditation, uh, give Sam Harris a go. I used to not like him because I heard him do a couple of takes on... Like, he's an atheist guy. That's not why I didn't like him. But he's he's fairly outspoken a bit against religion. And, I mean, there's plenty to be outspoken about. There's a heap in there, regardless of what religion you're from, that uh, that's not ideal. But I remember hearing him try and make points against Christianity one day. I was like, oh, I feel like... You're a smart guy, but for me, I just felt like he hadn't really looked into the ideas that he was talking about that much. But um, so I sort of always viewed him in this in this weird kind of like you're a little bit of a flog way. And then I saw him uh, shut down Ashton Kutcher one night on some late night talk show, maybe late night with Bill Maher, and I was like, this guy's quite brilliant. And then I listened to him a couple of times on Joe Rogan, and then a mate at comedy who I really like, actually uh, Nathan Hugh Robert, he was on the uh, he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He recommended I try out the app. And man, do yourself a favor. Seven-day free trial, waking up, um, 50,000 five-star reviews apparently it's had, which I thought that's that's a pretty impressive. So I've done quite a few meditation apps now. I don't reckon, I'm going to put it out there. Six days in, I'm not sure there's any better. Uh, this beats Headspace for me because Headspace has gone all woke. Do you know what I mean? Like now there's, now there's meditations for helping you deal with your privilege, which is pretty much just like, I, I always feel like that's just a passive goal at white guys. <laughs> apparently white guys have never struggled before and uh i don't know i used to like that with uh what's his name andy 
And I mean, it's still got some great classes there, but it's just a, it's a little bit richer, the old Sam Harris Waking Up app. So yeah, do yourself a favor. That's my recommendation of the week for sure. I, um, yeah, I was listening to it on my way over to the beach yesterday and because uh, he, he has like a little overview of the meditation and then you sit down and actually do the meditation. So I thought, oh, beautiful. I'll listen to it on the way over, sit down, finish it, and then do my meditation. On the way over, I saw Liz, who's our neighbor. She lives on the street just over there. And uh, anyway, me and Liz, uh, we met one day because I was walking Charlie along the beach. Her dog ran up and jumped up and took Charlie's sock off, her, off his foot. She's like, she must be, I reckon she's 83. It looks fantastic. She used to own the, um, she used to have like the, before Airbnb was a thing, uh, her and her husband, he passed away a few years ago, they used to have like a, like the equivalent of Airbnb, like a bed and breakfast place up here. And so she's been around for years. And I thought we were, I thought we were at like a pretty cool part of our relationship where I often see her, I always say, hey, great to see you. Um, I think we are. We were at a pretty good place. She came around, I had a couple of mates over in my backyard a few weeks ago. She came around and she dropped a hat off for Charlie. We had a chat. I don't know. She's my only real close 84-year-old friend. Do you know? I wouldn't even say we're really close, but we talk about crosswords together. She tells me. She knows everything about crosswords. A couple of weeks ago, she's like, um, I go, oh, morning, Liz. Like, what are you up to for today? She's like, oh, it's Friday. Today's the hardest crossword um, of the week. I was like, oh, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, no, there's such and such puts these crosswords together, and it takes me a few hours to get it. And um, I was like, well, this, this is a different kind of conversation to what I usually have, but I appreciated it. So we talk about crosswords, we talk about Charlie, she's dropping hats off. And the other day I said to Liz, I go, mate, I've just watched the Roadrunner documentary. Why don't you come over? I'll cook you dinner one night. Uh, Jesse will be there. My boy, I didn't want her to think it was some weird toy boy kind of thing where, you know, I'm just trying to get a little bit of the inheritance. You know, she's got a nice house in the back street, much nicer than mine. Um, but um, but it was weird. I thought my days of rejection were, were over. And she goes, oh, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> see, oh, Liz. But she just left it at that. Like, that's no way to... I love it when you get to a certain age. Like, I, get, I, I touched on this earlier. Like, when you're young, you get away with, with everything. And when you're old, you get away with everything as well. But it's coming from, from different angles. Like, when you're young, you just don't know better. When you're old, you just don't give a shit. So I love the fact that her point, it just finished with, oh, yeah, no, you know what, we'll, just, we'll see about that. I'm not 100% sure what... I go, oh, do you know, like when you might consider it? She goes, I'll let you know if I want to come over. <laughs> Fire out. This makes you. But I saw her again this morning. She's fine. She didn't mean anything by it. She's just a straight shooter. I love old people for that reason. I'm at that age now where I don't get offended by it anymore as much as I just find it hilarious. Like my, my favorite lady, we've got a lady over at the beach, and she must be, she'd be 70, and uh, she's not doing it anymore. She's the only person at the beach still wearing a mask, poor thing. Um, but I was walking along with Jesse a while ago when they had the mask mandates in, and I was like, "What a joke! I'm not wearing mask anywhere, let alone let alone this place." And um, I think I've told you about this before. She yelled out at me, "Put your mask on!" And I was like, "No!" <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. But but it's funny. Old people just don't care. Anyway, I think I look like the bad guy in that story. But what else are you going to say? It's like I'm not. Stop telling me what the, you're not my mum. Do you know what I mean? I don't even take this advice from my mum anymore. Mum, I'm not putting my mask on. Like, let's just leave it at that. Anyway, these rapid antigen tests, before I go, I'll tell you this, it's funny because they're so good, like they're so hot right now, but some people are testing positive and they don't even have symptoms. We were supposed to have people over for dinner last night and they couldn't come because, so the sister of my wife's best friend who just had a kid, she said to her sister, oi, before you come around, do you mind just getting a rapid antigen test so I make sure you don't have COVID? They're like, we both feel fine. She's like, I'd really appreciate a test. Anyway, bloody uh, uh, Sammy tested negative, Zaino tested positive, uh, but Zeno feels fine. Zeno feels fantastic. So I'm not sure if these rapid antigen tests are just like a, I don't know, they're like a pregnancy test that I guess the consequences aren't as high if you're positive. In a lot of cases, sometimes you die. Sometimes you die if you're unlucky. If you're Liz's age and you get Omicron, I feel like you could still be in a pickle. But if you're Zeno's age, fit, healthy, good-looking unit, I think you're going to be fine. But I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Do you guys take them seriously? What's the... I haven't had a COVID test because I've been so disappointed with the way that things have um, been managed down here that I'm like, I'm refusing to be another statistic. Also, I haven't felt sick. If I felt sick, maybe I'll go out and get a COVID test. But I'm not going to be that bloke who's like, oh, I'm just going to go out and do it because it's the right thing to do. Sure. How sick can you be? If you're fit, healthy, just went for a run, you've done a green juice, like... Surely you can't be really sick if you're that sick. You don't know that you're sick. Do you know what I mean? I just finished my gym session, my green smoothie, and a run, and you're telling me I'm dangerous. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Sorry, I keep drinking. Um, I'm just I'm apologising for the visuals of it. I've realised I've got my kids' drink bottle. 
But um, anyway, probably wasn't. Probably didn't need to need an apology, did it? But anyway, it was good hanging out with you. I gotta go because the time is two forty eight, three twenty. I gotta go to Ket Baker, get a loaf of bread on the way through to Coburg tonight, where I'm telling funny jokes, hopefully to a room full of people. Trying out a new joke. I want to talk. So I'm I'm really bad. Before I go, I'm really bad at paying attention to to TV show details. I was telling you about that before. Actually, details in general are not a strong point of mine, and it always upsets my wife. She's always getting frustrated with me. Like, babe, honestly, like if you just paid a little bit more attention, you wouldn't have to keep pausing and asking me questions. You would know about what's going on in your life, knowing what's going on in my life. Blah blah blah. So context is I want to take this. I want to tell them this joke about how uh, the other night me and my wife were laying in bed watching a documentary. And I'd deposit, I go, babe, three questions. Sorry, I know you're annoyed at me because I don't ever pay attention to details, but there's three things I've realized I need an answer to. And she goes, what, babe? I go, first of all, like, what's the, what's the main character's name? Second of all, like, where is this TV series set? And third of all, why is your personal trainer in your bed? <laughs> Again, only person laughing. I can tell. That's funny, though. That's good. That's a bloody good joke, all right? So if you don't find that funny, it's, it's your humor that's broken, not mine. Uh, the crowd will be the judge of that. I'm out for the day. I'm going to post this right now. Much love to you guys. Have a great week and I'll, uh, I'll see you all next week.